Thank you, guys. That is very kind of you. How are you all? You guys ready to receive from God this morning? Yeah. Can we pray for just a moment if we could? So grateful. So grateful. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your goodness, God. Thank you, Father, for first and foremost, Lord, for salvation, Jesus. Nothing that we could have ever earned on our own, Lord. So we just thank you for your, your constant grace, Lord, that we see manifested in our lives every day, Jesus. Lord, I see it, Lord, and I see it in so many ways, God. I see it in the beautiful faces of those here this morning, Lord. I see it, Lord God, in the community. I see it in our city, in our nation, Lord. We just see, Lord God, your DNA, Lord, over all of your creation, Lord. And we thank you, God, that you've called us into the kingdom for such a time as this, Lord, to be a part of what you are doing on this earth, Lord. So we say thank you. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word, Lord God, is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. We thank you, Lord, that you sent your word, Lord, and healed our diseases, God. We thank you, Father, for truth. And we pray, pray that, that truth would resonate in this place and, and in our hearts and in our minds. And Jesus, may we love you. May we love you with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul and our strength. And God, may we love our neighbor as ourselves. We bless you, God. We give you praise, Lord. And I pray, Lord, right now that you would just prepare our hearts to receive, God, what you want to speak to our hearts now, Lord. I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you want to speak, Lord, by your precious Holy Spirit. So right now, God, I just pray. I pray against distractions, but I pray right now just for clarity, Lord, clarity of thought to hear, Lord, what you're speaking, God. So do your bidding in this place. Have your way in this place. We thank you, God, that faithful is he who began a good work in us to bring it about to completion. So we're grateful, Lord, that you're doing your work even now, Lord, even now. In Jesus' name, and all the church says, amen. 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 Oh, man, my spirit is stirred. Ah, come on. Come on. Ah, yes. You know, hey, if you're just joining us, first of all, we do want to say welcome to our guests. Can we welcome our guests? We are so honored to have you be a part with us. We've been on this series that I have absolutely loved called Building Our Lives on Values That Last. And this morning, I want us to talk about a particular area that will quite literally reach into every single value of your life. I want to talk to you about how you see yourself. And even maybe more importantly, is how God sees you. Because most people, they have no idea of who it is that God has made them to be. And so I want to start just by asking a question. 
And the question is this. Who do you see when you look in the mirror? Think about that. Who do you see? Or maybe I could even ask it this way. What do you think about when you think about yourself? And for the record, everyone thinks about themselves. <laughs> I mean, some people think about themselves a little more than they should. Right? And then there's others who they don't think highly enough of themselves. And so what I want to talk to you about this morning, it's so critical that we grab hold of. Because one of the greatest predictors of your future is what you believe about yourself. Because what you believe about yourself will determine the future that you experience. Guys, a couple of months ago, I went golfing and uh, I came upon one particular hole that it had water on one side and woods on the other. And it was a very narrow hole. Now, I'm about to tell you my lack of faith in my golf game because what I did is went and grabbed an old ball. Because the balls that I play with, they're like $7 balls, right? And I didn't want to throw it into the water or knock it into the water. And so when I did this, this thought hit me. Are you ready for this? I treated the one ball differently because it had no value to me. Guys, isn't that often how we respond in life? That things we value, we treat differently. Now, having said that, how do you value yourself? I found that most of us, we will increase or we will decrease our valuation of ourselves based on a couple of, of different measuring sticks. But I want to let you know that anything that we measure ourselves up against that is not God's thoughts for our lives will do nothing but put us in bondage and cause us to become slave to that measuring stick. And while there's a lot of different measuring sticks that are out there, I want us to just kind of talk about two of the more popular ones. And I know these well because these are ones that I used to measure myself up against. So I encourage you to take notes this morning. The first one is this, activity. Activity. Now, this is a performance-based identity that we're talking about here. And a lot of people, they fall prey to it. And this is true of both Christians and non-Christians. I'm talking about people who they base their value on things that they've done or upon things that they're currently doing. But guys, this is a bad measuring stick. See, if our identity is in the things that we do rather than Christ, then success will go to our heads, but then failure will go to our hearts. You see, identity is to precede activity. Who I am in Christ comes before what I do for Christ. We are not what we do we do what we are. Our identity determines our activity. I often hear people say, man, I just need to get my act together. And I say, no, you just need to get your identity together. Because whenever you know who you are, watch this, you will know how to act. See, we oftentimes get the cart before the horse, don't we? 
We, we try uh, to find completion through the things that we do. But I want you to hear what the Word of God has to say. Because the Scripture says in Colossians uh, 2.10 that we have been made complete in Christ. It doesn't say that we will be made complete in Christ, right? It says, but that we have been made complete in Christ. That's past tense. So why do we try to add to what God has already declared as complete? Y'all with me this morning? But that doesn't mean that we're perfect, right? It just means that we're complete. Completion and perfection are two different things. Christ was perfect so that we could be complete. Now again, that doesn't mean that God hasn't called us to a certain standard because he has. But watch this. Trying to live according to that standard without understanding how God sees you, it inadvertently causes you to live your life in performance mode. Like one where you're striving rather than thriving. And this leads us to striving then to kind of earn God's love and his acceptance. Like too many Christians, they treat God like one of the judges on The Voice. And if they could just perform well enough, then maybe he'll turn around his seat and say, I choose you. But Ephesians 1.3 says this. Listen to this. He says, for you, he, you have chosen us, and he has chose you before the creation of the world. He created you. He chose you to be holy and blameless in his sight. God chose us before he went and created the whole world. I mean, I want you to just try and wrap your mind around that if you can. That God, before he made fish, <laughs> and I like fish, before God created Jupiter, before he slung the Milky Way galaxy out into the, the universe, like he had chose you way before all of that. Now I want to say something to you this morning, and I pray that this will help you find freedom. There's nothing that you can do or not do that will cause God to love you more or less. I'm going to say that again. I said there's nothing that you can ever do or not do that will cause God to love you more or less. And I share this with you because I believe that there are a lot of people that are here this morning that you've been living in performance mode. And you've been getting your identity from that performance. But I need you to understand something. There's nothing that you can add to the finished work of the cross. Now that right there, that should just take a load of weight off of your shoulders if, when you consider that. I mean, you are God's masterpiece. And there's nothing that you can do to add or take away from that. Listen to what his word says in Ephesians 2.10. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Now watch this, because this right here reveals the purpose. Ready? He says, so that we can do good things that he's planned for us long ago. Do you catch that? 
See, there are things that God has called us to do, but we don't do those things in order to be accepted. We do those things because we are already accepted. Our identity drives our actions, not the other way around. In a performance-based identity, it will lead to depression, to being stressed out, and ultimately it will result in burnout because a performance-based identity, it chases after a mirage. Now, I want you to just listen to what the psalmist says here in Psalm 139. Don't you guys love Psalm 139? Love, it's one of my favorites. He says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know it full well. Guys, if there's any one main point that I'm hoping to, to communicate to you this morning, it's this, is that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are God's masterpiece. You're his workmanship. I mean, consider this. Out of all the things that God made, you're the only thing that took his breath away. That's worth writing down. <laughs> See, the church, the church, listen to what it says. It says, your works are, are, are wonderful. But I want you to just really look at the context here of, of what the psalmist is, is saying. He's not talking about the, the flowers. He's not talking about the mountains or, or the stars. He's talking about us. He's talking about you and me. He's talking about God's crown jewel of all creation. And catch this. This is so important. He feels this way about you without you lifting a single finger. Isn't it interesting that whenever John baptized Jesus at the Jordan, that God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But he said this. Before Jesus ever performed any public miracle. I mean, wouldn't it have just kind of made a sense, you know, if, if Jesus had already performed some miracles, then Jesus would, would come along and say that. But no, this just goes to something to show us about God. And that is this, is that he values us just because of who we are. I mean, we're the ones who are constantly uh, placing value on ourselves based on what we do or what we don't do. But whenever you try to discover what God's will is for your activity before you're secure in your identity, eventually you will find yourself in a state of an emergency. Because a false identity will always lead to an identity crisis. I'm going to share with you something that I've learned in life. And that is, when you don't know who you are and whose you are, you begin to compromise. Somebody needs to hear that. When you don't understand the value that God places on you, then you will then offer yourself up to the highest bidder, which is always, always less than what it's worth. You guys know that I love baseball cards, right? Yeah, I do. I do. And um, I'm, I'm always looking out for a good deal. Um, and I got to tell you, it's been several years ago, but several years ago, I was out and just kind of looking across uh, a little uh, cell that I came across. And I came across this one gentleman who had some old um, cards for sale. 
And I came across this one. It, it caught my eye. It was a 1961 Golden Press Lou Gehrig. Anyone remember Lou Gehrig? All right. Yeah, I'm showing my age now. Sorry. But uh, this thing, man, and it was in extra mint condition. It was graded. And so I knew what it was worth when I saw it. I was like, okay, I wonder what he's asking for that. No price tag on it. And when I asked him what he wanted for it, he sold it to me for less than 10 bucks. Now, here's the thing. This card is probably right, right around $500. You see, he didn't realize the value of what he had, which leads me to this point. When you don't recognize the value of what you have, you'll always get from it far less than what it's worth. See, here's the truth that's so critical that we're to grab a hold of this morning. And that is that in Christ, we have a new identity. The scripture says this in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. So I don't know how you identified before Christ. I know there's a whole lot of talk in today's time about identifying. But let me just tell you something. I don't know how you identified before Christ, but in Christ, we have a new identity. The scripture says that the old has passed away. And you know what it means whenever you, something's passed away? Huh? It's dead, right? It's dead. As a matter of fact, the scripture says in Romans 6, 6, it says, not now knowing this, that our old man, that it's been crucified with him. It's been, it's been, uh, it's passed away. It's, it's dead. Our, our old way of thinking, our, our, our old way of living, it's gone. So watch this. Don't try to resurrect what it is that God has put to death. Don't default back to the same manner of thinking and, and living before Christ because now you are in Christ. The new has come. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't ever have struggles in life. Are you with me? Because you will, and I will. But don't let your struggle become your identity. And don't let what's behind you prevent you from experiencing what's before you. Let go of the past and step into God's future for your life. Amen. Y'all grabbing a hold of this this morning? I'm throwing a lot at you. I'm going to throw another truth nugget at you, okay? You ready for this? Okay. Only God can define who you are. Like, you're not qualified for that assessment. <laughs> I know there's a lot of people, um, they may think that you can find yourself without finding God, but can I just tell you something? That's a lie. That's, that's ignorance and uh, arrogance masqueraded as self-enlightenment. And I know that our culture has put all of this uh, high value on discovering yourselves, but I promise you that taking that path will just lead to a dead-end road. The very terms that we use, guys, it, it highlights the problem. What words like self-discovery, self-esteem, self-help, self-fulfillment, self-improvement, and self-acceptance. But what's the commonality of all those? Huh? Self, right? Yet self is the wrong starting point. And guys, 
don't hear me wrong, because I don't want you to think that I'm saying that we just abandon our individuality, because God has made us all to be unique, and thank God for that, right? But if we really want to discover ourselves, we have to look beyond ourselves and to the one who created us. Because apart from God, it's impossible for us to get a clear picture of who we are because our identity is so intimately and intricately and inseparably bound to his. I know our culture is is obsessed with casting off all our restraint and just corning, I'm sorry, uh, controlling one's own destiny. But anytime you live for any purpose that's other than God's purpose, you are going to be incomplete. And that's why we need to know how God sees us. Now, thankfully, uh, he doesn't leave us out on the dark on that, amen? But he tells us exactly how he sees us. Now, there's another measuring stick that I want us to to look at this morning, and and it's one that I'm sure that we have all used at one point or another, and that measuring stick is the thoughts and the opinion of others. Come on, anyone guilty this morning? Yeah? Guys, when you don't know who you are, you'll settle, and you will settle for who others deem you to be. Several um, years ago, I heard a, a cool story about Billy Graham. Billy Graham, he was uh, visiting a nursing home where a lot of the patients there had Alzheimer's. And he was making his rounds, greeting everyone. And he came to this one particular lady and shook her hand. And he asked if she knew who he was. And she said, no, but if you go to the front desk, they can tell you. (laughs) Guys, if you don't know who you are, who you are, I promise you that someone will tell you. Are you with me? But God is the only one who has the authority to tell you who you are. And that's because God, when God speaks, he speaks truth. And that's the only thing that carries eternal significance. I mentioned my Lou Gehrig baseball card. And watch this, as as much as I love my children, I don't let them play with this particular card. And the reason why is because they don't know the difference between a a common one uh, versus one of value. Which begs me to, to ask the question, why do we allow others to define our value and our worth? They have no idea of our value and our worth. As a matter of fact, there are a lot of people who they will try and devalue you in an effort to build their own value. And I'm not just talking about those people that you encounter every day, but I'm also talking about Hollywood, Nashville, and the entertainment industry who are constantly writing appraisals as to what they say we should consider valuable or not. And when we don't know what our true value is, then we will use their measuring stick. You see, a false identity is often, see, here's what we do. We we assume it based on what we have, like what we do, and what others think about us. But guys, it's simply that, a false identity. And it will rob you of your peace and your joy quicker than anything. 
because you're not being who God has made you to be. The Bible tells us that the devil is a thief. And I believe that one of his prized possessions for the taking is our identity. Because he knows that if he can get you to question who God has made you to be, then he can stop you for living for the purpose for which he has created you. Now, let me just get a little practical for a moment, if I could here. And I want to just expose to you how the devil operates. Usually, he will present a statement. It can come from a peer. It could come from a family member. It could be something that we've heard about, read about, saw on TV, or it could just be a passing thought. And it usually goes something like this. I'm not blank enough. And that blank varies from person to person. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not consistent enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not good enough. But hear me this morning. Look at me. I want to speak to that soundtrack that is constantly playing in your mind saying that you're not enough because I believe that it's orchestrated by the devil to prevent us from, be, uh, from going to the place that God has called us to be. Second Peter 1, 3 says that his divine power has given us, watch this, you should underline this in your Bible, everything, everything. His divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. You see, what's really preventing you from experiencing what God has purposed for your life is not what you don't already have enough of. See, it's about us recognizing what we already have. One of our dear friends gave us a Christmas gift years ago. It's a cool sign that says the secret to having it all is believing that you already do. Come on, that's good stuff right there, right? But you see, you have to believe it before you can conceive it. Because the key for you and I, for us giving birth to the dreams that God has put in our heart, is to know what's already within us. In Psalm 27, King David wrote, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You see, David wrote this right here, this particular psalm, at a time where King Saul was going after his life. Now, that's significant for us to understand because what that means is, is that things weren't quite working out the way that King David thought that they would work out. You ever have some things not work out the way that you thought that they were going to work out? The prophet here had already declared that, that David would become the king, but yet the current king is now coming after him with his whole army trying to kill him. But listen to what the next verse says in verse 14. He gives us this. Oh, wait for the Lord. There's some of you this morning. I just want to say to you prophetically, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. 
Man, I just feel something on that right there, that there's some of you that you're here this morning, that you've been discouraged because there's something that hasn't happened yet in your life. But don't be discouraged. Watch this. If it hasn't happened, that just means that it's not time yet. But let me just encourage you with the words of David. Wait for the Lord. Trust his timing. Be strong and let your heart take courage. If God is seeming to bring about something that's taken a little bit longer, just know that the greater the preparation, the greater the calling. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that it's not going to happen. It's just that it requires a lot of preparation. Amen? Now, for the, le- the rest of my message, I want us to, if we could, again, just challenge that playlist that's just constantly going through our minds that's saying that we're not enough. Because regardless of how you came to believe that about yourself, there's only really one who is qualified to make that declaration. So I want us to look at what God has to say about you. And guys, allow this, because this whole series has been about us just grabbing hold of truth. So allow God's truth right now of what God has to say about you to override anything that you have ever believed about yourself. I feel like right now just I want to speak this over some people who you just, you've believed some lies since you have been children. And some of you are way into adulthood. And today is the time that you break those lies. I'm sorry, I feel just, I just feel from the Lord that there's someone that's here. You've, you've had some something, it's, it's your dad, and, and you never could measure up to your dad. And today is the day that you break that lie. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. Don't take your dad's insecurity and carry it around for the rest of your life. There's some of you, you, you your, your parents have already gone, but you're still holding on to those words, even though they've already died. It's time for you to allow those lies to be dead. Are you hearing me? Here's the first thing that God says about you that I want you to grab hold of. You ready? You are accepted. Oh, yes, you are. You are accepted. I think if we were all honest, We'd all admit that we've all struggled at this point, at one point or another in our lives. Whether it was when we were children, like I just said, whether it was whenever we were in school or maybe work, friends, family. Or how about this one, at church? (laughs) But how many of you know that no matter what you have experienced throughout life, that's no indication of what God thinks about you. Romans 15, 7 says, Therefore, accept one another just as Christ has accepted us to the glory of God. Friends, I'm talking to every single person in this room when I say, you are accepted by God. But you see, this is what you've got to understand. God's acceptance of you isn't based on your performance. It has nothing to do with what you have done or haven't done. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For our sake, 
he being God, that he made him, him meaning Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I love the New Living Translation, which says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You see, what Jesus did for us, guys, on the cross, it flung wide the door of acceptance for us to God. But I want you to know that you're not only accepted. You didn't just make it in the door. You don't just have something up in the cheek seats or the nosebleed section. But watch this. You are loved. You are loved. It's amazing to me how many people, they believe that they are forgiven and that they're going to heaven. But yet, they still struggle with believing that they are loved. They're kind of like Mephibosheth, who was content to just grab the scraps that fell on the floor when the king had appointed them a place at his royal table. You see, God not only accepts you, he loves you. His word says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. God's love towards us, it's everlasting. It's unfailing. And yes, God knows every single thing that you've done. And watch this. He still loves you anyway. And watch this. To believe anything other than your love is to believe a lie. 1 John 3 says, See what great love the Father has lavished upon us so that we can be called the children of God. And that is what we are. You are a child of God. You are a child of Come on, say that out loud with me right now. Say, I am a child of God. And why did I get you to say that right there? Because I think there's a point that we need to come to to where we need to align our language with God's language. Are you hearing me? Because whenever we begin to declare God's word, God's word carries God's authority. Now, I have one more point that I want to share with you before we begin to wrap up, and, and, and that is this. You are victorious. You are victorious. There are no losers in the kingdom of God. Now, when I'm talking about being victorious, I'm talking about us being victorious in life. I'm talking about us winning in the things that really matter, like winning over temptation. Like winning by winning and, and leading someone to Christ. You see, victory isn't something that's on the outside, but it's something that's on the inside. But just like the other two points, it begins with us seeing how God sees us. Not about how we see ourselves, but how God sees us. That's the trump card. I don't know if you guys have ever read the story of Gideon. It's a great story. Highly encourage you to, to, to read it. But one day, an angel appeared to this man named Gideon. And the angel said to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, the interesting thing about the story here is that 
Gideon received this particular news while he was hiding in a wine press from his enemy, the Midianites. I mean, can you just imagine? Here he is hiding from his enemy. He's scared to death. And then all of a sudden, an angel shows up and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. <laughs> I mean, you know that Gideon had to be like, uh, angel, I hate to break the news, but I think you got the wrong guy, right? As a matter of fact, this is what Gideon says to the angel. He says, my Lord, my clan is the weakest of all the clans, and I'm the weakest in, in my clan. But watch this. God saw him differently. God sees you differently. Angel spoke to Gideon's identity. And whenever Gideon grabbed hold of his God-given identity, it set into motion a chain of events that propelled Gideon out of hiding and into history. You see, <laughs> we're saved when we believe in Jesus, but we're transformed when we realize that Jesus believes in us. Guys, I want to speak something bold to you right now. You are no longer allowed to let your circumstances keep you from doing something great for God. Your circumstances may tell you that, that, that you're abandoned, that you're a slave, that you're a nobody, but God says that you are a mighty warrior. Guys, it's time for us to rise up and be the people that God has called for us to be. Because watch this, we don't have to live by feelings because we're called to live by faith. See, I don't have to have faith in order to, I mean, to believe, I'm sorry, we don't have to feel it in order to, to believe it. Deuteronomy says this, it says, for the Lord your God, it's he who goes to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. So God not only accepts you and loves you, but he also fights on your behalf. Look at me this morning. You are not a loser. I know I said it a minute ago. I want to say it again. You are not a loser. You are a winner. You may have got knocked down. That's okay. Watch this. Get back up. Get back up. God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You may have lost a, a, a few battles, but watch this. You've not lost the war. Today is a new day. Amen? Don't, don't be marked by the failures and the defeats of yesterday. Listen, here's what we can do. We can choose to let our past to define us, to confine us, or to outshine us. Or we can choose to move on and put it all behind us. Are you with me? Paul says this, one thing I do, forget whatever it is that's behind me and press forward to what's ahead. There's a lot of you. You see, you know something about God. You know the Bible says that he forgives us, but you know what also God does? He forgets. He throws our sin into the sea of forgetfulness. And there's some of us that we need to step into that part of God and where he has created us, not only to where we forgive, but also to where we forget, just as God forgets. Are you with me? 
Listen to what the scripture says here. It says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things for which God has prepared for those who love him. Mm. Guys, listen to this. God has called you to greatness. You want to know why? Because you have greatness living on the inside of you. Listen, whenever you doubt the product, it insults the manufacturer. Don't doubt who God has called you to be. Now let me just leave you with this. When Jesus speaks, he speaks identity. And identity produces security. And security breeds courage. And courage changes the world. So church, go change your world. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet if you would. Do you receive God's word this morning? I said, do you receive God's word this morning? I know this morning we've been talking about identity and how God sees us. There's a few other things that I didn't get around mentioning this morning, if I could just maybe just real quickly share these with you, because there's a few other things that are ours in Christ, kind of in addition to what we've already talked about, which was that we're loved, that we're accepted, and that we are victorious. But also, God says that we are valuable. He says that we are his ambassadors. And then there's this one. <laughs> he says that we are his Friend. Come on, one of the greatest titles that we could ever have is the friend of God. And I just want to ask a question this morning. Look at me for one moment. Do you know him? I mean, not just know about him. Not just do you come to church. Not just do you check the box that says Christian. I, I, I'm, I'm asking you. Do you know him? Do you really know him? Because if you don't know him, you are missing out on the purpose of life. You're missing out. And I'll tell you what, I would love more than anything to pray with anyone who would say, I want to know him. And so if that's you this morning, and you say, man, I want to know Jesus. I want to know him as my Lord. I want to pray with you. I'm going to pray with you and lead you in a prayer of surrender to God that says, I want to put my faith in the person of Jesus Christ. So if that's you, I want to just lead us in prayer right now because I believe that God is really pulling on someone's heart that's at the place of where you've not fully surrendered to him. If that's you, what are you waiting on? What are you holding back from? Surrender. If you will surrender him, if you will, if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his word has promised that he will give us everything that we need. Do you need something in your life right now? Seek him first. Put him first. Make him the Lord of your life. Not just on Sunday mornings. Are you with me?
Not just when we pray over our meals, but make him the Lord of your life. Seek him first, and he will give you everything that you need. And that includes what we're about to do right now, which is to put our faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. Because friends, watch this. You and I cannot atone for our sin. We can't do a good enough job. How about that since we're talking about performance-based identity? You cannot do a good enough job to earn God's acceptance. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that our very best efforts, they're, they're like filthy rags. The Scripture teaches that, that none does good. Not, none. Only God alone. And so if you want to receive the love, the grace, the forgiveness that only Jesus Christ can offer. I want to ask who's here this morning. You say, yeah, man, I want that. And watch this. You don't have to join a church. You don't have to do anything at all other than surrender, other than acknowledge that you are in need of a Savior. Well, just so happens there's one here this morning. His name's Jesus. And if you want to give your life to him, I want to invite you to pray with me right now. And I'm going to ask you saints of God to join in with me. And we're going to pray together right now. Pray out loud. Close your eyes. Bow your heads with me. Pray, Lord Jesus, I confess that I was born a sinner in need of a Savior. So I ask you, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Help me to turn from it and make you the Lord of my life. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for the sin of the world. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave, just as your word says. And now I want to live my life to know you, to truly know you. the church says. Amen, amen, and amen. Come on, can we thank God? Can we lift up the name of Jesus in this place? Come on, church.